Great to see you guys this morning. Welcome to Lord's Love Church, both in person and on Zoom. Uh, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, my name is Howard, and I'm the uh, youth intern here at uh, Lord's Love. And it is my joy this morning to be sharing God's word with you all. And we are continuing on our series on Romans, the letter to the Romans. And last week, just a quick recap, we talked about uh, being dead to our sin and being alive in Christ. Uh, the, main, the, the idea that we share in Jesus' victory. So just as Jesus uh, put sin to death and resurrected, we also die to our sins and are made alive in him. And because of that, we have the freedom. We have the freedom from the power of sin, meaning that we are no longer being slaves to sin. That means that we're not defined by our past mistakes. And the result of that is that now we have the ability to, uh, to fight for righteousness over sin. And today, for Romans 7, we are talking about specifically the problem of the law. If you guys remember last week, chapter 6, uh, that Paul talks about the law and about the grace, uh, that we're no longer part of the law. We died to the law, we died to sin, and we're now under grace. But today in this passage, Paul is going to be talking specifically about the problem of the law, why it did not work out, and why it brought so much sin, and ultimately pointing to Jesus. But before I start, I just wanted to pray uh, for us all. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful morning. We thank you that we can gather in a church to worship you, Lord. Right now, God, I pray that your spirit will be here at work and to speak to us through your word. So prepare our hearts, God, to, to listen to your word and uh, for us to answer to any convictions that come in our way. So we thank you that we get to worship you freely and be able to, um, yeah, know more about you. So I pray that you bless the time, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm going to be starting off today by just listing some bad news. And it's probably not the greatest, but I'm going to do it anyway. But I want to say that we all have a problem, <laughs> whether it's minor or big. But this problem is that we all know what is right and what is wrong, but we tend to choose to do the wrong thing. Whether it's something that's really minor to major. For example, you know that if, you're, if you chose to be in a healthy diet, you know that when you see that donut or cake, and you are not supposed to eat it, but you're like, ah, once, I'll eat it anyway. And after you take that one bite, you're like, the next, after you finish that cake, then you go for the next one and the other day, oh, I'll just do another one. You know that you're not supposed to, but you still do it anyway. Or maybe for Netflix, uh, you just say, you know that you're not supposed to watch the show late at night, because you know that after you watch that one show, it's going to lead on to the next episode, next episode. And next thing you know, you're, it's 3 or 4 a.m. And you know that you're supposed to sleep because of school, work, or doing something important. Or maybe someone cuts you off on the road, and you're just so mad, and you just start doing something, yelling at them, screaming at them, or saying things that are not appropriate. You know you're not supposed to, but you did it anyway. And lastly... You know that you're not supposed to, when your friends are gossiping, and you're not supposed to be part of it. But yet you're like, let's add some gasoline into the fire to burn up more. You're like, I know I'm not supposed to, but I did it anyway because I want to be part of it. So that's the issue. Is we all know what is right, but we tend to choose the wrong thing. And that's where Paul is talking about today, the, the idea that the, the Jews knew about the law but they didn't obey it, and they chose to do wrong. And the reason is because of the sins that are inside of them. So the big idea for today is... I always get... 
I always get this wrong. Okay. So the big idea today is only God can deliver us from sin. The, the idea that um, what Paul, as we're going to look into it, is Paul is going to uh, talk about the law to prove that we cannot live life alone without God. We cannot deal with sin or try to fix sin or solve our problems alone by ourselves, that we need God because only God can deliver us. And so he's going to talk about the law, the issue of it, how the Jews couldn't follow it, and the law actually revealed more sin. So therefore, we need God in our lives. And yesterday, I came across this video on Instagram, and that totally just worked well for this. And this is what it looks like if you don't have Jesus in your life and you're trying to fix sin. All right, I wouldn't want to be that person. But just to give you a fun image, it's just look like visual image of what it may look like in your spiritual life that something like that's going to hit you hard. And that is why we need Jesus because he is the only one that can deliver us. And so we're going to get right into it. Uh, before I start, I just want to give a little context. The law in Romans 7 is talking about the Mosaic law when God gave the Ten Commandments, when God gave Moses the law in Mount Sinai. And the context is about how the Jews failed to obey God's law. And um, they couldn't do it, and the law actually revealed more of their sin. Uh, so they know what is right, but they can't live it out. And so the, Paul's purpose of this is just to, again, point out that we need Jesus. And he's going to prove that right here. So let's go on to, uh, let's go on to verse 1, um, if you guys can follow me along. Do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has authority over someone only as long as that person lives? For example... By law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law that binds her to him. So then, if she has sexual relations with another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law and is not an adulteress if she marries another man. So, my brothers and sisters, you also die to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. For when we were dead, when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us, so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to what was once bound to us, we have been released from the law, so that we serve in a new way of the Spirit, and not in the old way of the written code. So Paul right here beginning to illustrate why we died to the law and he uses the example about the, uh, the woman. So the woman is bound to her husband by law as um, married to him as long as he is alive. However, uh, but if he, while he's alive and she chooses another man, then she commits adultery. But if the husband dies, then she is free from that law. The main focus here that what Paul is trying to point out isn't so much that the, the woman is free from her husband, the fact that is that she's free from the law, that the, she's not under that law. And so Paul points in verse 4 that you, my brothers and sisters, also die to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead. So we belong to God so that we bear fruit for God. Why? Because, verse 5, 4, when we were in the realm of the flesh, in our sinful flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work within us. So we start doing more wrong things we start sinning more but now by dying to that law what was bound to us now we are released from that and we have jesus so now we're not under that law we're under 
God. We're under his grace. And this new way of life is where the spirit is in us that convicts us to guide us. And then Paul, so Paul just starting this off, and he's going to dive right into the law. And just want to point out really quickly here, it's really important for us to know the context of what Paul's trying to say here, because this, there is a debate out there right now regarding what, if you guys, uh, some of you guys may have read this passage before uh, in verse 14 to 20 about uh, what I want to do, I do not do, but the things I hate to do, I do. That part, a lot of people who read it would think that Paul is talking about Christians. But the context of this is actually not about Christians, it's actually about non-Christians, so the Jews. He was talking about the, how, about the Jews. And there are a couple of arguments that, I need, uh, that people have brought for both sides. That I'm just going to list them right out just so that we know what is going on. So for Christian, for the regenerate, for the reborn, all right, these are some of the main uh, arguments that people would say. The I, the ego in this passage refers to, uh, to Paul, and he's talking uh, mainly because he switches from past tense to the present tense. So he once was that, and then now he's that. So they're thinking, okay, maybe be, uh, when he was a Jew, that that was what he was talking about in verses 7 to 13, and then now in 14, 20, he's talking about his current uh, identity as a Christian, that he still struggles with it. The other one, the second point is that only a true, only a Christian truly delight in God's law. So if you're a non-Christian, you're not, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to have that desire to want to seek God's law or to want to obey it. And, and the last one is, there are many more, but I'm only listening three. The last one is, because only a Christian possesses the inner person. So what about a non-Christian, an unregenerate, uh, unrepentant one? First one is about how there's a strong connection with the I, with the flesh, talking about the sinful flesh. The second one is about the struggle with his or her uh, sins without the help of the Holy Spirit. As we read right here, Paul never talks about the Holy Spirit in in uh, the struggles when he talks about it. It's all about man's effort and how they can do it. So the, and the third one is the unsuccessful struggle. He is a prisoner of the law, that you become that slave to that law, the power of the law. And the last one is, right here, many people think it's a struggle, but Christians will struggle, and Paul will say that in his letters as well. But the struggle here is not just struggle, but it's, also, it's one who is defeated by sin. So this is the difference which you hear. So what, what's the conclusion of this for today? The conclusion of this today is that the passage is not about Christians. It's about non-Christians, about those who don't believe in Jesus, and they try to use their effort to do the right thing, but they can't. And that's why they are defeated by sin. Not to say that Christian, as Christians, we don't struggle with sin. The difference is we're not defeated by sin. So we're going to get right into it right now. So verse 7. Romans 7, verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known for co what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. Paul right here points out that the law is, is good. The law is actually not sinful. In fact, the law helped me understand what was right and what was wrong. However, there is a problem in verse 8. But since seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment produced in me every kind of coveting. All right, so the, it's great to have the law to understand what is right and what is wrong, but the issue is that it starts revealing more of my sin, my brokenness, how I can't follow the law. And he continues, for, every, for apart from the law, sin was dead. Once I was alive apart from the law. 
All right, I felt free, I felt alive, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. The part right here about sin was dead, Paul is not saying that sin never existed. It just means that sin never was active and powerful to control us where we become slave to that sin until we know what sin is, until the commandments, the, uh, the law, define what sin is and what good is. And so right when they knew about uh, the law, then it occurred in them that um, then sin starts springing in them. And so verse 10, he says, I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring about my death, so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. The law was intended to be good, but it brought life because Paul realizes that time that he was powerless. He didn't have that strength, the power to do anything. And so right here, he's saying, so right here, he's saying that I found that the, uh, because I'm powerless, I find that I, it brought me to death even more. So then he goes into uh, verse 13, did that which is good then become death to me? And he said, no. The purpose of the law being good wasn't to bring death. It was more to help us recognize how sinful we are, how sinful uh, the, the uh, humanity is. And that was the purpose of it. It wouldn't make sense if the law, the purpose of the law was to bring death. But it's because it realized how much they're sinful and how sinful they are that they realize they can't live it up to that. I forgot to say that the first point is actually that the law itself only makes people realize how far they are away from salvation. <laughs> so now to the second point. <laughs> now to the second point. Second point is we can never overcome sin by ourselves. So verses 7 to 13, Paul is talking about the Jews in general. Now he's going to share his own personal experience with dealing with sin. And he writes, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. Right here, Paul already acknowledged that the law is actually spiritual, it's good, but I can't do it because I am a slave to sin. I'm under the power of sin that's controlling me, so I can't do it. I do not understand what I want, what I do. Okay, I just like, you know what, like, I'm just, I'm just confused. I just don't get myself. I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. So the things I hate to do, I just end up doing. But the things that I want to do that's right, I don't do it. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it. But it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to, uh, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, 
if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is living, uh, but it is sin living in me that does it. This is what it looks like when, it's, when you're going through life and trying to obey God without God on your side, without the Spirit's help. That this is a, an image of, this is a demonstration of defeat right here. So to summarize that the good that he wants to do, he just can't do it. And the reason because of that, the reason behind us, because there's sin that's living inside of him, that is controlling Paul, and he realizes that. And keep in mind, Paul was already a Christian at this point, so he's just talking about his experience as a Jew and in regards to the law and how it is so difficult to follow the law because the law, in fact, brought condemnation. It didn't bring salvation. The Jews thought it would just it would bring salvation, but little do they know that it, they couldn't earn, get salvation because they couldn't live it up. And this goes to the third point. And Paul will say, we will face eternal, in, internal battles, but God intervenes for us. So even as Christians, we will struggle. There's going to be inner battles within us, but God intervenes for us. He's not going to be leaving us hanging. So verse 21. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. So Paul knows that there's a, another law at work, this battle inside of him. And verse 22, just want to highlight, verse 22, one of the arguments again for people saying that this is for Christians is that uh, only those who are, who our true Christians will delight in God's law. But we gotta keep in contact, um, remind ourselves that the context here is about the Jews. And so Paul says that even the Jews delight in God's law. And later on in Romans 10 too, he says, for I can testify about them, meaning Israel, that they are zealous for God. That in them, they want to do good. They want, they're like for God, like they're energetic, they want to serve God, but they just couldn't do it. And so because again, there's war waging inside of him. And he's saying, what a wretch man I am. And wretch here means to be in complete anguish and distress, but it does not mean total hopelessness and despair. So there is still hope, even though you feel like a wretched man. So he says, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Verse 25 Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. After all this, the Jews didn't get it. They couldn't earn salvation because there's so much sin in them. And even Paul experienced that himself. And so Paul is sharing right here, you know what? It's only Jesus that can save me. 
apart from God, I cannot do anything right. Apart from God, I am still living with sin. Apart from God, I'm still being a prisoner of sin. And apart from God, I'm still being a slave to sin. It controls me. But thanks be to God through Jesus Christ who delivered me from this. And now because of that, he's a Christian. And what does this, what does this mean that we die to a lot and under grace? And what does that grace look like? It's this new life where the Spirit is with us, guiding us. And I'm excited about next week where, when uh, Pastor Doug comes back to preach on Romans 8 because then Paul starts off, therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is what it means to be under God's grace, that we're not under God's law because the law brought condemnation. Once you, you mess up once, you're done. You're sinful. But even though we mess up as Christians, we're under God's grace that we're not condemned because Jesus already paid that penalty for us. Get that that Jesus died for us to have this new life, and with this new life, we have the Holy Spirit in us. So yes, we're going to be struggling with our sins at times here and there, but it doesn't mean that we're defeated. Guys, this is, the, this is what discipleship is, the, what, the, what it means to follow Jesus, that discipleship is a daily process of being reformed and restored so that we can become more like Jesus. It's like a daily thing where we come to him and say, I want to surrender my life to you, God. Please lead me. Please guide me. And please take over and fight the battles for me and help me out. Give me the strength to fight the things that I cannot do on my own strength. This is what it means for discipleship. As we follow Jesus, it's not just come to church on Sunday and the rest of our life we don't connect with God. It's not just a one-day thing during the week after church on Monday, Tuesday, that we just choose one, one day a week to connect with God. But it's an everyday thing where we surrender to God as we're following him. We're saying, you know what? I'm so sinful. It's so hard to do the right thing. So God, I need you because only you that can deliver me from the struggles of my sin so that I will not be defeated. That's the process of discipleship. So church, if you're struggling with that, keep, keep coming back to God to be reformed again, to be restored so that you can become more like Jesus more and more. And and surrendering to him. There's going to be spiritual battles, even as Christians. Even in Ephesians 6, verse 10 to 12, Paul writes this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. These things are real. We're, we're living this, we're, we're wrestling with spiritual battles here. So what's the difference, again, between a Christian who struggles and one that we see here in verses 14 to 20? Again, right here, what Paul writes in this struggle right here is not just struggle, but it's a person who's defeated by sin. But for us as Christians, we're not defeated by sin. We're no longer saved to sin. And with this, we're no longer slaves to sin, meaning that the things that we mess up on, the mistakes that we make, doesn't define us. In fact, the Spirit convicts us and leads us into repentance. If you guys remember Romans 1, that God's kindness leads us into repentance. So, where are you at today? Are you struggling with your sins alone? Are you trying to fix and deal with your own brokenness alone. And if you are, my question is, why fight 
on your own when God says, I'm here for you already. That my presence is in here already. Because there's that type point in our life where we need to take that big step of faith and trust Jesus. Though I'm struggling right now, though I don't know how long this battle will be, that I need to trust Jesus and know that that one day I will be delivered from the sins that I struggle with in my life. So, and this is why we come to church, is to worship God, but also to be united as a community, to learn what it means to walk alongside with one another in life, through the good and the bad, to encourage one another in our faith. So that we can also, because when we're gathered together, God's spirit is also at work inside the church. This is why it's so important for us to meet up. So guys, don't lose hope. Yes, we, so if you guys forget anything that's been said right here, just remember this one thing. Remember that though we struggle with our sins as Christians, we are not defeated by it because God delivered us from our sins. So let's surrender to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you so much for your grace that though we are sinful, that you still chose to die for us, redeem us, to restore us, that we have this relationship with you, God. And we thank you that our, our past mistakes and our sins do not define who we are, but you define who we are because you created us, God. That you paid that price on that cross, that paid that penalty on that cross. And now we're free. And though we struggle at times and we face spiritual battles, we know that, God, you are here with us because you give us your Holy Spirit to empower us, to give us the strength. That your power is made perfect in our weakness. And I pray that your spirit will remind us of that. So we thank you for your love and your sacrifice. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.